Good morning, Awakening Church. So glad that you guys could brave this, this horrid California, I don't know, storm and be with us. Um, I love that the people from the retreat who are here too, uh, you could tell that they came from the retreat when Steve asked, a lot of energy. Love it. Glad you brought it. Um, so yeah, like Steve said, real quick review. Um, if, if you didn't catch any of what he said, my name is Roland. I'm one of the 13 protégés here at Awakening. Uh, what I get to do is lead our junior high and high school ministries, which we affectionately call Awakening Youth. Um, and I do that with a few of our other protégés um, who are busy right now. You'll bump into them later. Um, but I thought it'd be a really big miss if I didn't get to give you guys a little glimpse of how much fun we get to have with our awesome students. Um, so there's this game that we love to play called Psychiatrist. And what the gist of it is, is everyone stands in a circle, and there's one person in the middle, and the person in the middle is known as the psychiatrist. And what they have to do, well, what they first have to do is they have to leave the room or kind of just get out of earshot for a second while the rest of us kind of come up with a behavior or some kind of action that we think they're going to do. And the whole thing is they come back after we've deliberated for a little bit, and they stand in the, circ- in the middle of the circle and start asking questions, trying to figure out like what we're trying to guess them or make them guess. So one example is uh, the person's going to leave, and all of us will say, hey, every time he asks someone wearing a black shirt, let's start barking like dogs, because that makes sense, right? <laughs> so the person comes back, the psychiatrist, and they start asking questions. Maybe they'll start with like, oh, how's your day going? Um, and then he asks someone with a black shirt, oh, what's your favorite color? Everyone starts barking. It gets crazy. And it's fun to tell you about what the game is. That's kind of the gist of it. And they have to finally get to the point where they guess what that behavior or trigger is. Um, but I thought it'd be really cool if we played one big game of psychiatrist right here and right now. Uh, so I already, like I thought ahead of time, I thought the perfect psychiatrist for this morning uh, Steve talked about him, is Nick. Uh, He doesn't know that this is happening. This is kind of like a reality TV show. Just pull a fast one on him. So Dylan, would you mind escorting him into the lobby for a second? I gave Dylan some nice headphones that cover his ears in case he tries to want to listen and kind of cheat. Um, But Nick's not that kind of guy. But just in case, we'll give him him an easy out. I think, that, I think that's good. Okay, so I'm going to talk. You guys can still hear me if I whisper a little bit. Okay, so this game can be a little, uh, I'll say, exposing. Um, I remember one time when I was playing, these guys know, uh, one time when I was playing, every time I touched my hair, which apparently I do a lot, uh, people would start switching seats on me. <laughs> and I like I had no idea. I just kept touching my luscious locks. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like I figured it out, and I'm so conscious about that for the next few days. I don't want to touch my hair at all. <laughs> so, real quick precursor, this game can be a little exposing, but it gets fun. Love Nick. Um, so he does this thing, which I'm sure I do, and I probably have done 50 times already. I'm sure you guys do too, is when he, like, when he needs to pause or think, he'll say, um, right? You do that. I know you do that. You're laughing because you do that. <laughs> so what we're going to do every time he says, um, is we're going to just clap once, okay? <laughs> so I need two things from you guys. The first is I need you guys to do that every time. Just listen. He says, um, easy. The second thing is I'm going to need, since, since we're not, I'm not going to make us all get in a circle, that would be incredible, and I don't, I don't think I can perform miracles, but 
what I need, I, do I have some volunteers who are willing to raise their hands? Could you, like, who's brave? Raise, raise hands, hands back there. Can I get some people right here, please? All you have to do is we're raising our hands. That way Nick can ask you a question, and he doesn't have to, like, be spinning around because we have no circle for him. So just raise, so can I see some hands again? Who, who's going to help out? It's really easy. It's going to be maybe yes or no questions. I'll prompt him. Um, cool, perfect. I just want to make sure we had enough people. Um, so, yeah, why don't you let him back in? So we'll play. He'll, he'll ask some questions. I just realized, I don't know if he knows how to play psychiatrist. <laughs> I think he does, too. Actually, yeah, he does. <laughs> you can leave the headphones there. They look good on you, though. <laughs> so, check, check. So this is yours. Everybody, this is Nick. Uh, why don't you just introduce yourself real quick and say what you do around here, if you can, in like 10 seconds. I'm doing 10 seconds. Um, yes. And I am Nick. Nope, okay. Um. Perfect, okay, that'll work. Um, uh, they're good. So what we're gonna do is, People are going to raise their hands because you've played psychiatrist before, right? Right? Oh, perfect. You know how to use the microphone. So since we're not going to make, so since we're not going to make a circle, um, people are going to raise their hands, and you're just going to ask them questions. Maybe you know what the behavior is, or you're just taking some guesses. Um, maybe you just want to ask how their day is. Maybe you can like figure out the behavior that way. Um, but I know that's like a lot to throw at you all of a sudden. So I'm going to stall, and you start thinking. Um, Reason, so this is your chance to start thinking of questions. <laughs> Reason why I wanted Nick up here is because, like Steve said, if you notice, he tried to list off all these things that Nick does around here. The list is endless. Um, Nick got up this morning super early, drove down to 17 in this huge truck with all of our stuff so we could have this, this beautiful aesthetic. The kids could have a place to do stuff. Yeah, can we give it up for Nick? And Nick does not get enough recognition, and I thought it'd be fun to drag him on the stage, play psychiatrist, poke a little fun at him, see his beautiful face, and ladies, he's still single, so you better hurry. So, you got, you, <laughs> you got questions ready? Okay, the one important thing, though, is why don't you just keep the microphone there so every word you say we can hear. I'll give you some hints. I'd ask some guys, I'd ask some girls, I'd ask people with different colored clothes on, okay? So could you guys raise your hands who's ready? Uh, Brian. All right. Ask him a question. Uh, <laughs> how do you like living in Texas? It's hot. It's good. Cool. Next. Okay. Keep going. Please. Did they ask a question? Sorry. Did you enjoy up here this morning? Now, why don't you start moving towards what do you think the behavior is? Like, start asking people questions. Keep your hands raised. Can we keep our hands raised so you could? And you just point if you don't know their name. Um, <laughs> question. <laughs> Whenever someone not raises their hand, because you told me raise their hands. Uh, is it when I say no? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's perfect. Thank you so much. You can take the microphone. Thanks, man. He got it. That was pretty good. <laughs> 
Oh, man, I love that game. So that's Psychiatrist. I'm glad we got to play it. You guys can figure out how it works. So if anything, you've got a fun group game to bring to a party. You could be the life of the party. Um, I was really worried that wouldn't work out. And I was like, at least like Guinness Book of World Records, if you're watching, like I think this is the biggest game of Psychiatrist ever. Um, so get these beautiful people ready for a picture and we'll, or whenever you want it. Um, uh, don't clap. <laughs> so it's only when Nick does it. <laughs> So I love Psychiatrist, right? That game can be really fun. Uh, sometimes people will get it in a decent amount of time and understand what the behavior is. And sometimes, usually when, it's, when I'm the person in the middle, I, they're in there for an excruciating amount of time and they're just not figuring it out. And the, the, the behavior that everyone in the circle is trying to get them to, to guess or to focus on, like they're just not getting it. Right, it, it, I like I'll be turned around cir in circles and circles and circles, and can't really figure out like what are you guys trying to get me to say? Is it every time I ask someone with blonde hair? Is it every time like someone? Like, every time I say four words, I don't know. Right, and it's really fun when it gets in those excruciatingly long rounds because they just go down rabbit trails and rabbit trails and are nowhere near what you're trying to get them to guess. Uh, but do you know what I learned from playing this game? is that each time I'm the person in the middle, I'm being turned around and around and around. It's because I'm simply focusing on the wrong things. I'm simply just missing the point that everyone's trying to get me to. And I think our lives can really look a lot like that. Uh, we tend to get caught up in so many insignificant things and start to misdiagnose what's really happening. Uh, we, we find our pride in our identity in being busy or what we drive or what degree we're getting or where we're living or where we're not living. Um, and we put too much emphasis on things that ultimately don't really have much significance, am I right? Um, our gaze can be fixated. Our, our focus can simply um, be on, on the wrong thing. And this morning, uh, Reagan kind of alluded to it. On a communion Sunday, I, I just wanted to look at one of the last moments Jesus has with his disciples. You see, I think Jesus this morning, th through this story and, and in this environment and through the worship music, um, wants to help re reorient us, to, to bring our gaze back to what is really important, what really matters, what actually even makes us great. Uh, I think we can get to a morning like this, and right before taking communion, um, our, our minds are elsewhere, on, on things we need to get done at home, um, on if we're if how well dressed we are next to the uh, sitting next to the person, or how well dressed we are compared to the person sitting next to us, right? These things that are obviously so far out of the way of where where something cool can happen, uh, a spot where God wants to take us, but we're focused on all these other things. Um, and I, I know this because I'm often that person, right? I'm often the person who misses out on these significant moments because I'm focused elsewhere, because I'm the psychiatrist in the middle, just being turned around and around, trying to figure out, what what is it? What is it? But really, God just wants us to focus on him. And simply put, I think Jesus wants us to be present this morning and to be focused on what he's done for us. So if you've got your Bibles, I'd love for you guys to turn with me to John chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 1. And um, I'd love for you to turn with me because I think um, it'd be really cool for you to see for yourself this Jesus I'm about to talk about, this moment that he has with disciples, that he actually helps reorient us, that it actually happens. And this incredible story isn't something I'm making up. This is what he actually did with his disciples. 
Um, so we'll start in verse one. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And I think I just need to stop there. And I, is it okay if I make a confession, right? I, I think this is a safe place. Uh, this looks like a group I, I can tell some secrets to. Um, if I'm completely honest with you, I think I can be so disoriented or out of focus, even when I'm reading the Bible, that I can read this thing too fast. That uh, even with God-breathed scripture that he has given to us, that I know that's what it is, I miss out on the things he wants to tell me. And I think if, if, if we just, I think that can happen with a verse like this. Uh, there's so much good news that we just read in one verse. And, and what I love the most is that it says he loved his, his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. His own being the people that have put their faith in him, who, who call him Christ and Lord and Savior, who've trusted their, li- their lives to, to this man named Jesus, his own. He loved them to the end. I love that part, to the end. Because we can see it also, we can also see it as to the uttermost, without reservations, without stopping, without holding anything back, to the very end. And we would see that with his life too, the very next day, to the end of his life, to crucifixion on a cross. That's how he loved them, all the way to the very end, without holding anything back. And that's also what it means when, it's, when he's, it says that he knew his hour had come. Uh, Jesus knew what was about to happen that very next day. The, the agony he would feel, the betrayal that would be before him, the humiliation he would go through, the, the mistreatment, the mistrial of an innocent man to ultimately be crucified. He, he knew that was, all that was about to happen. The mission that he had come to accomplish was here. The time was here. It was game time. And that's where we are in this story. So here we are in the, in the last night before Jesus is going to be crucified. And he gathers all of the disciples in, the, in one setting together for one last meal. Uh, it's the end of a long day. Uh, it's probably been a very busy one is what I, I'm thinking. And it's just Jesus and his men in this small room uh, getting ready to eat. It's, it's intimate. Uh, imagine these 13 guys huddled around a small table sitting really closely with each other. Um, and the story says that Jesus rose from supper, he lay aside his outer garments, and then he tied a towel around his waist. And if we pick it up in verse 5, it then says, Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Um, This is really important. Why? Because during these times, it was customary to, to wash your feet before eating. Uh, think of it like us washing our hands now, right? Um, but if, if you think of the time and the context, uh, where they were and what they were doing, their feet were actually the dirtiest parts of them. And like I said, it's a small, intimate setting. You're sitting pretty close to the person next to you. You can probably smell their feet. I've had guy roommates with smelly feet. It's not good. <laughs> so imagine, imagine this with me. I don't know if you've been to a third world country or a poorer one. Um, or you can just Im- imagine like what happened a couple weeks ago with the flooding. Um, but all this stuff that kind of just gets picked up and has nowhere to go. And w- when the water's gone, it kind of just sits there. Uh, I know I've experienced that uh, in my travels before. Um, and I just think of all the dirt and all the animal junk and, and 
who knows what, that, that's just littering the streets. And you have to walk through that, or in that, day in and day out. That's what these disciples were walking through. That's what everyone was walking through. And it wasn't like they were wearing nice closed-toed shoes. They didn't have a nice pair of Nikes or a pair of Yeezys on, right? No, they had, they had more like sandals, open-toed shoes, ones that would collect a lot of things. And their feet were the most disgusting thing about them. And here they are in this little room, disciples up close and personal with each other's feet, um, and their feet hadn't been washed yet. Now, washing the feet of guests was usually a job for a slave. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a career opportunity that you were looking to get. It wasn't an internship you were hoping to have. It, it wasn't like happening upon venture capital. It was quite the opposite. It was something for a servant. Uh, it was a job reserved for the lowest of the low. Uh, and since it was just Jesus and his, and his disciples, there was no other person in this room to do that job for them. And I love what, what Jesus chooses to do. And you've catched this, and what we read is Jesus sees a need, there's dirty feet, and literally puts on the clothing of a slave. He, he changes his appearance to, to show that he was willing to, to look like a slave. And he starts to wash his disciples' feet. And what makes this even better is that right before Jesus does all this, this the disciples had actually gotten into an argument. Uh, do you know what they're arguing about? They, they were arguing about who's the greatest among them. Uh, I don't know about you. I find that so funny, so ridiculous. Or maybe I'd be doing the same thing. But could you imagine trying to stack your worth, trying to say how much you mattered with the Messiah in the room? <laughs> right? I'm, I'm better than him because I got a 3.0 GPA, right? No, I'm better than him because my feet smell a little less. I, I'm better than him because I'm really good at catching fish. Like, well, maybe besides the GPA part. That's what they were saying, right? And I love what Jesus does because if I were in his sandals, I would be nowhere, nowhere near what he was doing. He washes their feet. And that in and of itself is incredible. Like I said, that was a job reserved for the lowest of the low, for a slave, for a servant. But do you know what that's, and, and it also says, but I love what it says after that, is that he dries it with a towel. Do you know what that says about this God man, this man named Jesus, that he doesn't stop short. He loves him to the end. Um, gosh to the uttermost. That, that's incredible. Like, who wants to have wet feet just to collect more dirt? Or just, Jesus didn't do it just so he didn't have to smell, right? Smell their feet while he was eating his supper. I don't know what they ate, to be honest. Um, but it shows that he was willing to serve them to the end, to the uttermost, without holding anything back, that he wasn't going to stop short because he loved them, because they were his. You, you know what Jesus could have done, though? Uh, nobody's feet had to be had to be washed. They could have went on with supper. Uh, I, I, if I put myself in that situation, it's the end of a long day. I'm really hungry, really tired. And all of a sudden, my buddies are arguing. Uh, I I'd be. I, those are like the two worst things. State of beings to put together, right? State of hunger and anger. You're hangry all of a sudden. Now, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I'm hangry. And most of my friends, when they're hangry, nothing good comes out. But that's not the case with this. Um, yeah, he, he still serves them. 
I'm sh- like I'm sure Jesus was upset. Not really, not really ideal um, settings to have your last supper before you're about to go to the cross, right? But he chooses to serve them anyways. You know, he could have said, my time on this earth is about to be over. I'm about to be crucified. If anybody's feet should be washed, it's mine. But he, he doesn't do that. And it just makes me wonder for myself, like how often do I miss these monumental small moments because I'm so focused on something else, on, on where I work or what I drive or who I know? How often am I preoccupied or focus on something ridiculous like who's the greatest and miss out on these moments to see a need and meet it? Uh, I, I played high school football, and I know what you're thinking. The, the answer is yes. I was one of the smaller players on the team. <laughs> and I remember one of my first plays so vividly. It was on kickoff coverage. And what you do when you're on the kickoff team is one player obviously kicks the ball. That wasn't me. Um, I, was, I, was, I, liked, I, I could run, and that's how I got on the team. Um, and what basically you have to do is once you kick the ball off, the rest of the team has to go and try and make that tackle or to make sure the person who receives the ball on the other team gets tackled. That's the team I was on. This is my first play of football ever. So I'm excited. I'm lined up, ready to go, back straight, everything coach taught me. And um, I'm just imagining what could happen. My first play, I'm going to make this really big hit on this guy who's really big all of a sudden. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be like my favorite NFL safety, Eric Frampton. I'm just going to make a (laughs) – I'm going to be just like him. So there I was, lined up, getting ready to go. Um, The kicker is making his way. I start to get in a full sprint, and all I could see was the guy catch the ball, and I got so excited. Um, Our our coaches – or football coaches, if you're decent, will tell your players to keep your head on a swivel, Right? To, to, to be aware of what's going to happen or what could happen. Um, but I was just excited to be in the game. So I sped fast as I could run and got closer and closer and closer. And I could see this, I could see this guy running with the ball. And I was like, oh, I'm going to make this tackle. This is me. And I got closer and closer. And now, literally, we are within five yards of each other. And I start to chop my feet. I get low to get momentum, right, to, to finish the tackle and drive through is what they say. And I'm literally, like, getting low, and all of a sudden, I didn't make the tackle. But what happened? I was on the ground. I had the wind knocked out of me, but the guy's still running with the ball. What the heck? What had happened was I was so focused on the guy with the ball, on, on being great, on making this tackle, that somehow I had missed a six foot two, 250-pound linebacker who was gonna block me. I got blindsided, wind knocked out of me on the ground. I looked foolish. <laughs> and you know, I, I, I really think like as Jesus started to wash his disciples' feet one by one, I think that's how they felt. That they got blindsided, that they were just arguing about who's the greatest. And all of a sudden, this man that they had been following around calling teacher and Lord is washing their feet. So Jesus washes their feet one by one, all probably feeling like the wind got knocked out of them. Like, how could I miss that 600 or six foot two, 250 pound linebacker? Um, 
and he gets to Peter. And Peter, knowing who Jesus is, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, the Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, feels like he needs to say something. He understands what is happening. I'm sure they all did, but Peter's like, I'm going to say something. So he looks at Jesus like, Jesus, you're going to wash my feet? This job that's beneath you? This job that you shouldn't be doing? No, 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 no. You, you can't wash my feet. I can't let you do that. Uh, and Jesus simply just looks at him and says, you don't understand what's happening. Not yet, at least. And Jesus says this because uh, washing his disciples' feet wasn't just an act of cleanliness or to be sanitary. It wasn't just to make sure dinner wasn't ruined by some stinky feet. Uh, It was pointing to a a greater act, to the greatest act of service he could do for Peter, for me, for the world, for you. Jesus didn't come to just wash feet. He came to wash souls. So Jesus looks at Peter, uh, and he alludes to that, and picking up in verse 10, he says, Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean. Uh, What Jesus is saying there is there's a more full cleansing that Peter has, a more full cleaning. And it's not just about washing his body and making him squeaky clean. It's about a cleaning that all of those who belong to Jesus, who, who have trusted in him, that they have. It's a washed, clean soul that would be bought by the blood of Jesus. Um, In the Greek, there are two words that are being used here for for cleaning. Um, The word bathed, if you see in the Greek, is luo, or a a full cleaning, like a complete cleansing. And then uh, the word to wash, when he's talking about except for your feet, that they had to wash, um, is nipto. Easy to remember, toe, nipto. Um, It just means washing a portion So what Jesus is doing here is actually drawing a spiritual analogy um, for his disciples and for for us today. That if you belong to Jesus, if you have claimed him as Lord and Savior, yielded your life to him, you are fully cleansed. Like, you don't have to worry about that. You are fully clean. Luo. The reality of life, though, is that as followers of Jesus, we will still walk through life and start to pick up some of this junk in the world because we live in a broken world. And we'll need to get our feet washed periodically, often I'd even say, on the stuff that we'll pick up. But as far as our souls and all of us, we need not worry about that anymore. And and this brings me back to the thought about our focus. I I don't know where you are at this morning as 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 far as claiming that luo cleansing for yourself, that full acceptance that you are washed clean, but I know for the longest time that um, before I believed in Jesus and had a relationship with God, I thought I had to clean myself up first. Well, like I could do that even, right? That I could present a nice, tidy version of Roland with a little bow on top before I could even come close to having a relationship with God. We, we tend to think God cannot want to have a relationship with us because we know the dirt we carry. Yet he entered creation in flesh and blood bent low to love his people, to serve them and wash their feet, to be a servant and do what we could not do for ourselves. And that's pay for the penalty of our sins by death on a cross. 
and to rise victorious to show that he did that, that he is victorious. See, God wants to serve you. And, and to think otherwise is just a lie. We see that because Jesus loved them to the end. Jesus wants to serve Peter, to wash his people's feet, but we just need to let him. And I think even as Christians, uh, we can put all our focus and attention on our sin too. Uh, we look at the deepest, darkest, filthiest, most unclean part of ourselves and want to hide it from God. All that junk we've accumulated uh, from walking through this difficult, difficult life, we, we don't want God to see that. It's ugly. It's dirty. It's something I'm not proud of. We're all not proud of some things. Yet Jesus is willing to go there, to not stop short, to stoop low, to wash your feet and love you to the end. We, we don't need to put our focus on our sin anymore, but on the one who has conquered it. If you're part of the family of Christ, you, you, don't need to, you, you can be secure in your identity, not, not in your sin, but in the God who loves you despite your sin. And I know what you're thinking. Maybe you're saying, you know, you don't know what I've done. Clean. You, you don't know where I've been. Clean. You, you don't know who I've hurt. Clean. You, you don't know. Clean. Fully cleansed, Luo. You just need a feet washing. And you just need to present whatever you picked up and let Jesus wash it. And, we, and you can move forward. Um, and the passage ends like this. When he had washed their feet, in verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, and you also should do just as I've done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So Jesus leaves us with an application. This is the application he has for us. That because we've been washed of much, because we have been served with so much love, because Jesus is willing to die for us, that the only way to represent Christ in this life is being willing to wash, serve, love, and die for others. To, to not miss and overlook those small moments those monumental small moments where God is beckoning us because that's what, it's, what it means to be great. See, Jesus could do all this because it says he knew where he was with his father. He knew his identity. He didn't have to worry about his relationship with God. He, he didn't question that. He knew what was fully clean, that his father delighted in him. And it makes me wonder what could happen if we took this morning to reorient ourselves. And as I invite Reagan and the band to come back up right before communion, um, I, I love this story because this is how Jesus prepared his disciples before they broke bread together. This is what he did. He served them. He reminded them that they are fully clean, that whatever their feet needed to be washed of, he was willing to go there if we bring it to him and present it to him and let him do that. So as we enter this time of communion, I invite you to let whatever distractions, whatever hurts, pains, sin in your life, that you don't want Jesus to see, you let him see that and put it before him and let it be washed away. To then instead focus on a God who serves, 
who, who doesn't run away from the gritty, who, who doesn't stop short, who is willing and through communion celebrate a God who sacrificed all. Jesus, thank you for this time. God, thank you that you serve us, that you love us to the very end, that uh, we can celebrate communion, what you've done for us on the cross, your broken body, blood spilled out for us. We don't deserve that, but God, you freely give that to us. So God, wherever our focus is this morning, wherever we are with you, God, may we be reoriented. Would we be reminded of, of how you love us, how you serve us, how you're willing to go to those deep, dark, filthy places and wash it clean? God, I pray for this time and these people. Amen.